0: All right, we're back, and we're going to continue on with the uh, thought that uh, we had towards the end about how um, the church suppressed Galileo's
1: findings. Yeah, so we, we start off with, with a little bit of history. First, um, uh, philosophically, um, let's go to philosophical history. So philosophy started with uh, the idea of uh, distinguishing between mythology and reality, and the Greeks led that Aspect of it, uh, the Egyptians did to some degree with uh, mathematics and engineering um, uh, to begin with, but the problem was that uh, they still maintained their cosmology and their religion within that framework. So they never quite divorced uh, philosophy from from mythology, but the Greeks made a concerted effort to do that, and when they did, they created whole systems of thought. Uh, that were just based on philosophy and not based on their mythology, and if you, you have to understand, for them, mythology was an overriding factor. I mean, it was part of their their harvest uh, systems. It was part of their marriage. It was part of uh, every aspect of their life, and they just wanted to um, move away from that and build a, a system based on principles and principles that were they felt were eternal. And so, as they d- as they did research, this is you know several hundred years. Um, as they did research, they, they, d- they began to distill these principles of philosophy and develop schools from it. Plato and Aristotle, his, uh, Plato's uh, s- pupil for 20 years, uh, created two major schools of thought and in and, and philosophy. Uh, Socrates was before them. And he introduced uh, what is now known as a Socratic method, which is asking questions and getting to the the heart of the matter by debating the the ideas within the uh, inherent within the uh, what is being discussed so or deductive reasoning i guess
0: so basically kind of uh, the way we think of it today we have skepticism rationalism and empiricism uh, three three approaches to knowledge
1: yeah so science the 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 aspect of science uh was was still way way in the future but Aristotle built a system in which he explained uh, how the world worked and how the heavens worked, and for 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 a long time that was the prevalent system of the day. And once the apostles went off the scene, Christian theologians began to. Um, some of the Christian theologians were Greeks, and they or they converted from uh, from Greek philosophy to Christianity, and but they brought in those uh, deductive uh, or yeah, they brought in those, those ways of thinking uh, in the church, and they began to explain Christian beliefs using Greek thoughts uh, or Greek philosophy. And Justin Martyr was one of the first to, to begin that, that trend, and it was then accelerated by uh, theologians down through the centuries. And so by the time uh, Galileo came on the scene, the church had actually adopted most of Aristotle's principles into their, uh, their system of how the universe worked. And so when Galileo was showing them manifestly through experimentation that uh, some of the, the ideas that Aristotle held were in fact wrong, uh, the church reacted violently to uh, Galileo. And ultimately, what ended up happening is the, church, uh, the Catholic Church has always had uh, a system where they accept broad sources of a multiple source of truth matrix. So they have a multiple matrix or a multiplicity of sources for their truth. So for them, uh, nature also speaks of God. And if you study nature enough, you can figure out the principles of God and even uh, find God himself. So uh, Bible is just one more source of truth for them. And so within that framework, you can theologians and scientists can do studies and research and Even though the church of their day may not accept the research because it's so far out there 20 years 30 years 40 years 100 years down the line the catholic church will absorb that information and inculcate it into truth so that's a different system of working and the problem with that system is that they equate those sources whether it's nature tradition um, or even science today um, as being equal to scripture and so um, what we are saying is that when people do original research and they come up with findings uh, that are contrary to scripture's narrative of what is, what is uh, in reality, we say that those findings um, are false because uh, sin has dit- distorted that reality. But at the same time, we do not punish our theologians or scientists for having found those uh, results. Uh, there is a way for our church to say, as Mike was said earlier in, in the earlier part of the series, where he said that uh, someone goes and does research, they find something that's wrong, and then they just say, here's what I found, and I went down this road, and it turned out to be a dead end. But the problem occurs when our theologians do research, and then they adopt their findings into their life. And then they use that as a way to teach others what they've found. And they call that academic integrity and honesty and uh, and the guise of academic freedom. But the problem with that system is that it, the w- the problem with that is that it, it, it comes into clash with what we know from the Bible, having studied it uh, regarding the reality, so we we can talk about various aspects of that, but this is where the tension comes in for academic freedom, and uh, where it comes into conflict with accreditation. Because if our institutions are not accredited, then the the kids that go to the school and get get education, they are not able to then prove to the world that they are worth being hired. And since the church cannot hire everyone that it teaches, these kids will. Be unable to be employed so because of that we work within the system and we try to produce people who are original thinkers and who can think independently and and produce valuable research but at the same time there's these limitations that we brush up against from time to time and it creates uh, it creates this this tension and this place where we have to ask ourselves we are we Are f- we being faithful to our mission of producing people that are being educated for not only here but for eternity as well? Uh, let me let me
0: go a little further with what you were saying earlier because um, uh, many people don't quite understand the dynamics of this this issue with, with professors and theologians uh, going off in some direction and building building on, on some some model and then bringing that to the classroom and teaching teaching it to our seminarians and, and future pastors. Um, and because of the the nature of the church because we've always had this background of building on scripture and using using our 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 model of theology um, has always been this idea that we're building on scripture alone Um, then you have a theologian that's that looks at the christian world uh, and studies various models out there and decides okay well Um, The scriptural law model doesn't really work. We need to use the the liberal model. And by liberal, I don't mean what Adventists mean when they say liberal. Like within the greater Christian context, liberal Christianity means something totally different. And it's basically a way of thinking where we don't have authorities and we have to derive our theology from, from common basic human knowledge. So some theologians, some Adventist theologians doing original research will come to the conclusion that the Adventist model isn't working and they need to switch over to the liberal model. Another theologian will come come to the same conclusion in the sense that they don't think the Adventist model works, but they'll switch to probably the, the Catholic model of thinking or some other model. But because they all agree with the with the main model, there, there seems to be unity there. But in reality, they all are adopting different models. So uh, the Church really can't just go and and have all these different people teaching whatever they think is the correct model because there's a bunch of theologians that would disagree with them as to that being the correct model they would say no there's another model that works better so the way it should work is if somebody thinks that the Adventist model is is wrong let's have a public discussion where everybody proposes the alternatives to the Adventist model and then as a church we decide let's switch models but that isn't being done. What's being done is that people just reject the this model, and then they say, okay, we're gonna teach this new model, and you know, I'm gonna teach my model in this classroom, and the next door there's another classroom with another teacher that has a totally different view of, of how theology is derived, and they teach their model. And the, the people going through the classes end up with some kind of uh, amalgamation of theologies that makes no real sense, and they, they have no use in the, in the real world.
1: Yeah, so one of the reasons why we don't have that that uh, huge discussion on, on models is that it's hugely inefficient. So almost every anyone or everyone is coming up with a new model every day and to sit down and decide all those models all at once or every time someone comes up with a model we have to convene meetings would be uh, inefficient. So uh, that's one of the reasons why the church doesn't do it. All the people ac- accuse the church of of uh, being restrictive and not being open to progressive truth or new truth mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, the advancement of truth. But that's, that's just a, a, an administrative um, logistical headache. Uh, but on the flip side of it, uh, there's also the aspect where um, someone may have a view of something that works for them. However, when you tie it across and try and make it into a system, uh, the other pieces don't fall into place. Yeah.
0: Because they specialize in a particular
1: aspect of theology. Yeah, exactly. So when that happens, what ends up happening is um, they feel like for them to maintain their conscience, they have to present what they know to be true. And what that does is it conflicts with the Church's teachings, which have been systemized across uh, to some to some degree. Although it hasn't been completely systemized, as we noted earlier in the series, uh, in terms of the foundation of our theology, so um, so in that in that regard, we've got this we've got this tension, and uh, what it leads to is confusion, and it leads to paralysis, and and it leads to stasis because people, uh, students are not able to. Uh, they learn various aspects of things, but they, they do not learn a full system of truth. And as a result, um, you have people that teach stuff that is mutually exclusive. For example, you could have one professor teaching that the that the world um, was created through millions and millions of years through evolution and theistic evolution, uh, maybe. And then you have another professor who says, well, the, w- the world and everything in it was created in 6,000 years. So basically, a younger theory. And then you'll have someone else who will say, well, maybe it was, uh, maybe the world is ancient, but we are new, and uh, we were created, you know, which is like a hybrid view, or whatever. So you have all these various views, and the problem with, with that is that uh, our views of origins, let's just say our theology of origins, affects the rest of our uh, theology. And so you have this, um, uh, this tension between uh, giving a professor the freedom to do research uh, without having them uh, wonder whether they're gonna have their job the next day and at the same time uh, taking the risk of losing uh, lots of members to, uh, to this issue. Now this issue is something that is, that is important for parents because parents are hoping that the education that they gave their, their kids um, at home will be reinforced and in, enlarged to a, to a degree at the university, and that their kids will be uh, solid 7th when they when they grow up. But what ends up happening is if a kid goes to school and then comes back with, with confusion, let's just say, on what the teachings of the church are on a certain issue or what the Bible says in general, because they have a different interpretive framework or a different source for their theology, um, the parents then wonder whether putting half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars into the kid's education was worth it. And um, so it creates this uh, chain reaction that uh, causes repercussions in the denomination.
0: So basically the parents, Adventist parents, are not as likely to send their kids, which means the s- the enrollment for the school goes down. Which yeah. means that they need to find alternative sources for students to come in. Exactly. So, so
1: w- as a result, you have people. Uh, you have the schools looking for students, and they look for. They try to recruit Adventist students at non-Adventist high schools, but as they recruit those non-Adventist students at non-Adventist high schools, like a fish casting a net, I mean, as a <laughs> fisherman casting a net, you bring in other fishes. Which means you bring in. Non Adventists to your school. So, what happens when your school um, gets to a large degree of having um, maybe, like, for example, Loma Linda has 49% f- uh, Adventists and 51% uh, non Adventists attending it? What happens when uh, the majority of your students are non Adventists at an Adventist college? What happens to the Adventist education? Uh philosophy or the direction that, that we start out with uh, what happens at that at that point
0: well so th- the the schools end up needing to adjust their curriculum based on something that's compatible to to the non-aventure students coming in at least it's not gonna c- cause friction um, so then well yeah the,
1: the problem I- the problem there is that the the school the the kids that are coming in that are not adventists they have an edu- they have an expectation for education that is different from adventists and so they're expecting to get an excellent education that will prepare them for the world yep. we are giving our students a, an, an education that will prepare for them for the world and the world to come mm-hmm. and that that is at cross purposes with the non adventists that are attending
0: so basically we start with a certain philosophy of education based on our theology we we build our school system according to this and then we have to adjust because if we want to bring all this uh, outside people in uh, it's not going to work to to keep teaching them the same kind of stuff we intended to teach originally yeah so um, our whole system of of education is is being changed and uh, there's a sort of chain reaction that that goes across the
1: board yeah so going going further from there um, when we talk about the value of education, um, so we talked about adi- uh, academic freedom, and then we talked a little bit about tenure, and we talked about purpose, and non SDAs now attending the, the school. Um, and we also talked about standards and degrees and alternative paths of education. Now, let's talk a little bit about scientific education for a moment. Okay. So Mike has a background in science uh, with a bachelor's in biology, I believe. Um, Mike, what would the church need to do in order to build out a framework f- to uh, for science and original research?
0: Um, I think science in general uh, mostly works just fine. It's it's usually the biology um, topics that, that cause friction with, with, uh, within the Adventist church. And I personally don't think there's a simple solution to this. Um, essentially for over a century now the the um, the system within which biology is being done is an evolutionary system now whether a person agrees with evolution or not it's really beside the point here because evolution has become a framework so when scientists do what they do when they do their research when they they think through through what kind of tests and experiments and and research to do they the whole logic of their system is built within this evolutionary framework and within the secular sphere there isn't an alternative even though there's many creationist and intelligent design proponents out there claiming that they have an alternative that hasn't been accepted and nothing else has been accepted in their place so basically if you're gonna do biology you're gonna do it within this within this system and uh, it doesn't affect everybody. I mean, somebody in the lab might, might actually not ca- care at all about the, the system they're working on. But anybody that um, is doing broader research or has to go work across the, the spectrum with people from different specialties, uh, they usually have to work within the system. So uh, as Adventists teaching uh, and trying to educate people and prepare them to function in the real world, we're forced in a way to prepare them and help them understand the sy- system they're going to be working on. There, um, but that uh, conflicts with with uh, our understanding of theology, and and there's this this conflict that just uh, doesn't seem to have any real resolution, regardless of which side in the debate you listen to. Yeah. So,
1: <coughs> talking about uh, talking about science and original research, the problem with the problem with uh the problem with science maybe this is a good place to stop uh yeah we can stop here and then uh, start in new okay. so, yeah.